So we're going to continue in a series that we've been in, and the greatest is love. And, and really, this message that I'm going to preach this week is, is really an addendum on the last week's message. I, I really felt like we needed to continue to talk about the Father's love and the importance of the Father's love, because uh, one of the things that I, I did get as far as feedback was there were people who were saying, listen, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Because in the world, sometimes when, you, when you're bombarded on every side with trials and, 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 you know, you can't even see your friends, you can't see your family, you know, there's all these things going on. It is very easy for the enemy to come in and begin to make you feel like you're all by yourself, nobody loves you, you're forgotten and everything. And, and I want to tell you something, you are not forgotten. God knows exactly where you are. Listen, there's some of you, you need to know that God has bottled every single tear that you have cried, that every single prayer that you have called out to him that he has heard those prayers and he loves you and he's moving on your behalf. You know, in that song we sing, sometimes we sing that song, Waymaker. You know, even when I don't see it, you're working. Sometimes we have to walk in faith in between the time that we lift up our prayer to God and the time that we see the answer come to pass. But here's the thing that we do know is that our God is a good father. And he said that if we would ask, we would receive. If we would seek, we would find. If we would knock, the door would be open. He is not playing hide and seek with you. He is not running from you. He is not avoiding you. He has not I've forgotten you. He has already sent the answer. I just thought of this in, in, in Daniel. When Daniel went on an extended fast, he fasted for three weeks. And finally, the angel came and, and delivered a message from God. And the message was this. From the first moment that you prayed your prayer, the answer was being sent. And, and I, I don't know who this is for because this is not on my notes at all. But somebody needs to know they've been praying a prayer and they have felt like God has forgotten them or loved them. But the answer is always on the way. I heard somebody talking about it the other day that God sends the answer and he drops it in our path. Sometimes it just takes the time for us to intersect with the answer that he has sent along our way. And whoever that is for, I want you to realize that God literally stopped this sermon and took three minutes of this sermon that I I'm preaching to let you know, don't give up. Your father loves you, and the answer is on the way. You know, last week we kind of wrapped up the sermon with this slide. Of, you know, how can we give an unconditional love when we don't truly understand that unconditional love? How can we love our enemy and love people who and pray for people who attack us or, or, or are hostile about different things. How can we do that when we haven't fully received God's unconditional love? You can't love unconditionally if you've never been given unconditional love. You remember we talked about this at the end of the sermon. Even the fact that we love God is simply because he first demonstrated and showed us how we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. 
And I feel that there's so many people that are struggling with this right now. And there's so many people that are struggling with isolation. There's so many people that are struggling with the thing of, am I forgotten? Does God even still realize what's going on in my life? You know, and, and, and then over this course of time, there are people who, because of the pressure, because of the anxiety, because of the isolation, that there have been people who have been slipping back into old patterns and old lifestyles, that, that things that they had had conquered and, and defeated, that those things have been starting to slip back in. Maybe you didn't have an issue with pornography for a while, but you've been leaning that way a little bit more. You didn't have a problem. You, you were over your problem with drinking and alcoholism, but, but you started out, I, I just need a glass of wine to un, un, you know, unwind my nerves, and then the next thing you know, it was two glasses, and it was three glasses, and then the next thing you know, you're drunk. And you feel so far from God. How could God still love me? I, I, I've turned from him. I, I, I went back to old lifestyles. How can God still love me? And here's how God can still love you because he is love. And the type of love that he is is an agape love, which is an unconditional love. He doesn't love you because of your performance. He loves you because of his performance. He loves you because he sent his son to go to the cross to demonstrate that love. Because his son willingly took up the cross. His son was willingly beaten and crushed and bruised for our iniquities, our sins, our faults and failures. And God just wants you to know if you're that person who has slipped back into those things, that he, that he says in his word that we have an advocate with him. And if we will confess the sins that are in our life, that he is faithful and he is just. And he will forgive you of your sins. And he will cleanse you from every single ounce of unrighteousness. You know, over the course of corona, I've been home in the evenings a lot more than what I normally would be. And so I've spent a lot of evenings, especially with my younger two kids, out on the trampoline playing with them and, and uh, you know, in the yard doing different things and stuff with our kids. And, and uh, my, my little girl, don't tell Melody this, but she's a daddy's girl. You know, Melody doesn't know. She, she, she loves her daddy. And, and, and she'll come and she'll sit up in my lap and she'll just sit down and she'll look at me and she'll say, Daddy, do you like me? And I'm like, chain and baby, I love you, girl. No, 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 daddy. Daddy, do you like me? Of course I like you, chain it. And it kind of hit me the same thing. See, a lot of times we say that we know that God loves us, right? Because since we've been little kids, especially if you grew up in church, you, you've heard the, the, the songs about God's love. You know, Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. Or, or Jesus loves the little children of the world, whether they're red, yellow, black, and white. They are all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And, and we've been taught these songs. And so we've, been, we've heard about the love of Jesus. But I think sometimes we don't think that God likes us. Like, we can kind of wrap our mind around the fact that, yes, God has to love me because he is love and because he is a heavenly father. You know, our kids realize and sometimes even feel like, well, of course, you have to love me because you're my parent. 
But sometimes they don't feel liked by their parents very much. And I think there are a lot of people who are struggling in that thing of, okay, yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Yes, I got it. Yes, I know. For the Bible tells me so. I got it. All right? But how could Jesus like me when I don't even like me? How, how could Jesus like me when I look in the mirror and I don't even like the person that I am right now. I'm not the husband I want to be. I'm not the father I want to be. I'm not the mom. I'm not the son. I'm not the daughter. So many times we get so caught up in all of the things that we're not that, again, we completely forget it's not about who we are. It's about who he is. And I want to give you three reasons tonight that you can know that the Father loves you and also that the Father likes you. First reason is this, is that he would never leave us. You know, we live in a world where there is a major issue with absent fathers. Even fathers that are in the homes, a lot of times they're not in the homes. A lot of times they're traveling. A lot of times they're busy with hobbies. A lot of times they're busy with other things. And, and even though they may be physically present, they are very socially distant and in connection. And, 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 and then some of them, you know, there's so many people now today, especially in our state with the, 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 uh, the foster care issues and everything, there's so many parents or so many kids who don't even know who their father is, and so they feel this sense of, a, of abandonment constantly, and, and their fear is that if they don't perform well for God, then if they do something wrong, then their parent will leave, uh, then, then God will leave them the way that their parent left them or abandoned them. But our God is a way better father than what any of us are. In Deuteronomy, he promised and the reason why I went to Deuteronomy is because a lot of times people think that the God in the Old Testament is the mean God, and the God in the New Testament is the gracious God. But I want to show you, even in the Old Testament, God was full of love and loved his people. And he's the same God. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, God is speaking through Moses to the children of Israel and this is after they have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. This is kind of the second giving. Deuteronomy means the, it's the second law. It's the second giving of the law. This is when uh, Moses is teaching the younger generation about God. And he tells them, he says this, he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Verse 8 says, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of us. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. So do not fear and do not be dismayed. I think that's one of the things that we have to grab a hold of right now is because there is so much fear of the unknown. There is so much fear of the economy. There's so much fear of, of what's going to go on in our country when it comes to racial divides. There's so much fear of, of elections that are coming up. There's so much fear of, of, of coronavirus and, and, and is it going to hit me? Is it going to hit my family? And, and when is it going to hit? And all these different things. And the thing is, is that the devil wants you to, he wants to bombard you in fear that you feel like God has left you or abandoned you. 
So you feel completely isolated. And here he says, listen, God will never, it doesn't say as long as you're good, as long as you are obedient, as long as you are at church every week and you read your version Bible every day, you check off your Bible app, as long as you pray for an hour a day, then God will go with you everywhere you go so you don't have to be afraid. He says, listen, God loves you and he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. So you don't have to be afraid of the economy issues. You don't have to be afraid of coronavirus and what's going on. Because your father is going to be with you every single step of the way. And then the writer in Hebrews echoes this in Hebrews chapter 5. It says this. It says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money and being content with what you have. For he himself says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. So we can say confidently that the Lord is my helper. I want you to you know, say, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't say our helper. It doesn't say the Lord is your helper. He personalized it. Guys, sometimes we think, well, yes, the Lord will help Pastor Brandon because he's a pastor. The Lord will take care of Pastor Jonathan because he's a pastor. The Lord will take care of Pastor Travis because he's, he's on church staff and he's a worship pastor and everything. But, but he's not with me. No, no, no. He says, the Lord is my helper. Come on, say that. Say, he's my helper. Come on, look at the person sitting in the room and say, he's my helper. I would not be afraid. And I love this. What will man do to me? Well, I know, like, when I was, when I was younger in, in school, because I'm so huge and massive and muscular and built and strong, somebody wanted to step up to me and cause a fight. I'm like, what you going to do? Come on, bring it. You know, you, you got a little attitude about it, you know, because how huge and massive and strong I am. You ever seen somebody like that? Like, they, they're, they're like, yeah, what, you and what army? What, what are you going to do to me? I love that because the writer of Hebrews almost, I, I can just kind of picture him sitting here. God is with me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. So what do you think that man can do to me when I got God on my side? That reminds me of what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He said, what shall we say of these things? If God is for me, then who can stand against me? If God is for me, it doesn't matter what attack of the enemy hits. It doesn't matter what whether it's economic, racial, it doesn't matter whether it's coronavirus or any other thing that the enemy wants to bring, if God is on my side. Why do we need to know that God loves us? Because we need to know that God is with us and God will not leave us. Even when the prophet Isaiah was prophesying who Jesus would be, he said, you will have a son and his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Us. 
He could have said a lot of things there. He could have said that just God is for you or that God will visit you or that you can encounter God occasionally, but he didn't say that was going to be his name. No, I am going to be identified as the name Emmanuel. I am going to be with you through thick and thin. I'm going to be with you through good times, through bad times, through great days and through dark days. I'm going with you every step of the way. And I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. And so Paul writes, he continues that thought in verse 35, and he says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress, will persecution or famine, will coronavirus, will racism, will economic downturn, nakedness, peril, or sword, will these things separate us, but in all of these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. I love that because we've got to get some Christians who understand who we are in Christ when we have Christ back in us. Because we've got Christians who are barely trying to survive. And he said, I don't just survive because if God is for me, who can stand against me? There's nothing going to separate me from the love of God. It doesn't matter how boneheaded I can act sometimes. It doesn't matter what I say, what I do. The love of God is with me and God is for me. So there is nothing that I've done in the past or that I could ever do that's going to separate me from his Love, I overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced of these things that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities nor things present or things to come. I want to stop there real quick because what does scripture say in Ephesians chapter 6? Ephesians chapter 6 says we don't wrestle against flesh, flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and rulers of darkness. Can I tell you something? Listen, the issues that we are seeing in our country from all the different things, from sickness and, and racism and, and, and divided, politically divided, uh, church-wise, all of those things, those are battles that we are facing, principalities and rulers of darkness. We are not fighting against individuals. And as soon as we realize that, then we can apply it into this verse that it says that we overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved me and it doesn't matter what principality of hell comes against me. Come on, y'all should be amen to me a whole lot better than that. Doesn't matter what principalities. Nothing that is present or nothing that's coming in the future. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing. Paul wanted to be extremely thorough. He listed a lot of things. And he knows, because there, there are people like this today. Like, we see a list, and if, we, if our thing, our issue didn't make that list or whatever, then we either disqualify ourselves from it being applicable to our lives today or whatever, because we weren't labeled in that list. So Paul wanted to make sure that there was nothing missed. So he said, and anything else you can think of, any other created thing, none of it will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love, God does not allow circumstances to come in between his love for us. Because we experience that a lot in life. As long as husband and wife get along, they love each other. 
But when they start disagreeing and they start having fights and they start having arguments and it starts happening every day, then we separate a lot of times. And even people who didn't go through with a divorce still a lot of times live in separate floors of the house. (laughs) There's separation there because of circumstances that came up. And God wants you to know tonight, today, whenever you're watching this, that it doesn't matter what circumstances are around. It will not separate you from his love. It will not cause him to leave you. He loves you. Second way that we know the Father's love is this. He corrects us. <laughs> now, this one isn't fun. Like, we're good with God loving us and blessing us and defending us and everything like that. We don't like the correction so much. I, I know that, that correction of God in my life has not been fun. Anybody in here been corrected by God? Come on, any of the campuses, you've been corrected by God before. You, you, you felt the discipline of God. A lot of times we think that the discipline of God means the disapproval of us, that God has a disapproval of us. Listen, it's not the disapproval of us that God has. It's the disapproval of what we do. And sometimes we can't divide the people from what they do, and, and we want to attack the person. But God doesn't have that issue. He can separate the person from what they do. He understands that the person, what the person does doesn't mean that that's who they are. And he's not going to attack the person because they do something wrong. He's, he's got that, separate, that ability to, to separate that. But he will, when we are disobedient to his word, when we are not acting the way that we're supposed to be acting, he will bring discipline into our life. Hebrews 12 says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which was addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. Listen, one of the things we have to realize is that the correction of God means that we are his son or his daughter. Now, I don't know about you, I correct my kids and I discipline my kids. But I'm not going to discipline Nolan because of something that Nolan did because Nolan ain't my kid. That's Pastor Jeremy's kid. And so I'm not going to bring correction to him because I'm not his father. I don't have that authority to bring that correction to him. But God loves us to the degree that he doesn't look at us as somebody else's kid. He says, that's my son, and he regards us as sons. Do not, uh, do not lightly discipline, uh, regard the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when, he is, or when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And those who he scourges, Every son whom he receives. Listen, correction is not rejection. Correction is a sign 
but the son, the, the father, that he's your father, that you're in relationship with him. And correction is a sign of his love. And we live in a world today that a lot of times parents don't do a great job of correcting their kids. And a lot of the reason why they don't do a great job of correcting their kids is because some of the older generations were very heavy-handed with how they corrected their kids. <laughs> Come on, go get me a switch. I'm going to give you a whooping. <laughs> and then it turns into lashings. <laughs> you know? Come on, anybody ever been in that place before? And so because an older generation was heavy-handed with correction... They swung to the other end of the pendulum to where I'm not going to correct and discipline my kid harshly because I don't want to hurt their feelings and I don't want to hurt their self-esteem and, 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 and I don't want to crush them. And, and I just want them to know that no matter what they do, that I love them and that, I, that, that, that I'm for them and everything. And I understand the philosophy behind it, but God demonstrates his love through the correction that he brings. But because so many people have experienced the borderline abusive correction, they swing to the other end of the pendulum. But what you need to understand is that God is not an abusive father. <laughs> that he's a loving father. <laughs> For those that are watching, somebody just yawned really loud. Everybody's like, why is he stopping? Why is everybody laughing? And Job talks about the type of, type of father. Now, Job, if you look at what Job went through, I mean, Job lost all his kids. Job lost his home. Job lost his money. I mean, Job lost, Job lost everything. And this is how Job, after losing everything, Describes God in Job chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. <laughs> I lost all my kids. I lost all my wealth. I lost all my possessions. But I'm blessed because God is reproving me. Wow. Some of us, we think if God didn't answer our prayer the minute that we prayed it, that God is mad at us and, like, we're cursed and God doesn't love us anymore and, and all this. I mean, this is a man who went through it. And he says, so therefore do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he binds up. <laughs> he shatters, but his hands heal. You know, sometimes when I have to discipline my kids, I tell them, listen, I'm, I'm bringing a controlled level of pain and discomfort into your life. Because if I can teach you this lesson, one day you won't make the mistake and it's an uncontrolled level of pain that you go through. 
So if I can teach you don't run out after your ball in the road, you know, a little pat on the rear or grounding or taking your ball away is very minimal in the pain compared to getting hit by a vehicle. And so God says, even though he, Job says, even though he's, he's, he's kind of shattered me right now, he didn't leave me. He's right here bringing healing to me. And that's the thing about the loving correction of God. It's because a good parent, after they correct their kids, they're going to go back to their kid. And they're going to get down. And they're going to look at them. And they're going to say, do you understand why I had to do that? Come here, I want you to know I love you. And you hug them and now go, don't do this anymore, okay? Why is that important? Because it shows them that the action did not mean that they no longer loved you. The fact that they had to bring discipline didn't change his amount of love that he had for you. And that's what God does for us. He goes on in verse 7 and he says, It is for discipline that you endure because God deals with us as sons. For what son is there whom has a father who doesn't discipline? But if, he, if you are without discipline, and uh, which you are partakers, then you are an illegitimate children, and you are not sons. Furthermore, we all had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. But we shall not much rather be uh, subject to the Father of the spirits and live. For if we are disciplined for a short time, we are disciplined by them for a short time is what seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, and he does it so that, he may, that we may share in his holiness. So he's starting to give the understanding. I'm bringing discipline into your life because I'm trying to make you more like me. How many have ever prayed the prayer, God, make me more like you? I want to love people the way you love. I want to serve people the way that you did. I want to be like you. I want to, to be like you. The way that he gets you there is that there is some chastisement, there are some trials, there are some tribulations and things that come along the way that bring you there. Verse 11, it says, all discipline for the moment is not joyful. Come on, how many of you loved God getting your whooping? <laughs> Let me put my hand down. I, being grounded or losing your phone or whatever it may be. But it's sorrowful. Yet those who have been trained by it afterwards will yield peaceable fruit of righteousness. So therefore, strengthen your hands and, and, that are weak and your knees that are feeble. And make straight the paths of your feet so that a limb is not lame and put out of joint, but rather is healed. Now, I want to stop here real quick because there's two places where God talks about the church being a body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are all, though we are many, we are all, one, we are all members of the same body. Romans chapter 12 talks about us all being members. And I believe even in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4 when it says that he gave teachers, prophets, evangelists, it says for the teaching, for the, the, the uh, adequate, for the correction and reproof of the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And then it goes on and says so that not one joint is out of place. 
but each joint brings to the body the strength that it's supposed to bring. We have to understand something that his discipline isn't just about him trying to change us. His discipline and our yielding to his discipline, he brings healing to other relationships through bringing discipline to us. So he says, I don't want one part of the body to be out of joint or be out of limb. So I'm going to bring discipline here. And then he goes on in verse 14. It almost sounds like he's changing the subject here because he's talking about him discipline you. But then in verse 14, he says, so pursue peace with all men and the sanctification which, which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Listen, if people don't feel like they're experiencing God anymore, it's not because God is not real. It's not because God doesn't love. It's because we have not represented him well. And here it says you need to pursue peace with people. You don't need to sit there and pick apart everything that they say so that you can start an argument with them. You need to find common ground and begin to join around that and begin to love each other even though you may not agree with anything. Come on, husband and wife, find this easy. Me and Melody do not agree on everything but we find the peaceable thing that we can live on and our love holds us together. And here he is saying that when God disciplines us, a lot of the reason why he disciplines us is for the total body of Christ to be revealed to the world. And so while after he disciplines us, it's not just so that we're better, it's so that the body is better. So see to it that everybody comes to the same grace of God that you just received from God. And that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble. By it, many are defiled. And I can tell you this right now, a lot of what we're seeing in the world today is because of roots of bitterness that are now coming up. It's because of past hurts and wounds. And there just comes a place where the wound has been hit too much to where you're going to go in reaction mode and be like, that's enough. And it's happening in every direction, guys. This isn't a, a one-way thing there are wounds and offenses and hurts and bitterness that has been in people's heart. That's why so much anger is coming out of people. It's because of what's inside of them. That's why normally calm, rational people can lash out and say some of the most hurtful, harmful, tearing apart things. But even in that, God wants to make sure they don't fall short of the grace of God. He connects us together. And the third way that we know God's love is because he chose us. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 16, he said, listen, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you could go bear fruit, fruit that would remain, so that whatever you ask me in the name of my Father, that uh, he may give it to you. And then verse 17, this command I give you, that you love one another. 
I chose you so that you could be my witnesses, so that you could go love people. Guys, we've got to look at the love and grace and mercy that God has given us. And are we as his disciples demonstrating that and reaching out to other people where they are? Because there's so many people that are hurting. We have a fatherless generation of people. And if you're one of those people in Psalms, it says in verse 5, six, chapter 68, verse 5, it says, He's a father to the fatherless. He's a judge to the widow. And God makes a home for the lonely. Why? Because he wants to bring you into his house. He wants you to be a son and daughter. Same way that we have so many parents that are in our church that foster kids and bring them in and adopt them. It's such a beautiful act of love. But can I tell you something? God was the very first foster parent. God was the very first person who adopted people into his family. In Romans, it tells us that we, uh, we have not received the spirit of fear, as fearful slaves, but instead we have received God's spirit and we are adopted as his own children. And so we can cry out to him, Abba, Father. He chose us. He demonstrated his love to us. He paid every price for us. You know, when Chanan came up to me and she said that, Daddy, do you, do you like me? And she, just about every time she'll come and ask me, she'll, she does it quite often, Daddy, do you like me? If I say, Daddy, Daddy loves you, she's like, no, I just need to know you like me. When she said that, I felt like God said, there's so many of my children who in their head, they know that I love them. But they really don't even think that I like them. I knew one day I would end up preaching this message because it was like God just spoke to me because I've been that person who said, God, I know you love me, but how can you like me? How can you like me when I don't like me? I believe there's other people who are in that same boat. And God wants you to know that correction isn't rejection. He loves you. He chose you. He's never going to leave you. He never has left you. You are his son. You are his daughter. Scripture says in Psalms, even if your mother and father forsake you, I would take you in. Even if the people who I put in charge of you to take care of you don't take care of you, I will. I will be your father.